<laughs> Did I scare you? Hello, you are listening to the podcast that answers the only question that matters in horror film. Did I scare you? I am your host, Jake Albrecht. I am his co-host and little brother, Vin. How you doing tonight, Vin? I'm okay. I'm repositioning myself because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm glad that the repositioning also came with sound effects as you were adjusting your uh, your shoulders there. That. I mean, that was not on purpose sound effects. That was real sound effects of me shifting and moving. I apologize. That's the kind of production value you can expect at home from this podcast, folks. The bar is low on this podcast. Well, not literally, but you know. (laughs) How would it be literally? I mean, I see it physically right in front of us. And yeah, I'll... it, and it it hit the ground. Well, this is an unfortunate start, but for those of you who haven't listened before, this is the podcast where we two brothers switch off picking horror movies in an attempt to scare the other one. Vinny, you selected the movie this week. What is the name of the movie you selected? Short and simple, His House. Yeah, and I guess I shouldn't disrespectfully again bring up uh, run dmc so <laughs> biddy is it clear whose house it is from the start on this one um i believe <laughs> it's actually the house of the british governments really but <laughs> well uh, they, they hand it out though but then it also seems like there might be like a real silent partner on this one <laughs> it's kind of a handshaking deal with this silent partner I should say too that like actually this silent partner chats a lot. <laughs> it's kind of butter. He's got a lot to say and Most, a lot of different voices. Mostly in the shadows though. Yeah, yeah. He he lets his hands do the talking sometimes too, but So maybe it's his house. Uh but if you uh would like to describe this movie for the folks at home, how would you break it down exactly? Um basically this couple who are refugees from Africa. Uh-huh, from the Sudan. Yeah. Uh, wash up from a boat, but the British government saved them, and then they're under, basically, protection from the government. And yeah, they to... have asylum. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that that was in my notes for, for later, but I'm glad you cleared that up right away. <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> These are. You might notice me jumping in at points where I'm like, I am deathly afraid Vinny's gonna get it wrong and say something horrifying. No, I've been doing okay so far. I agree. Uh, so the uh, anxiety is mine. It ha- it does not reflect your actual actions. No. So they to get them to be established amongst like society, they put them in like a um, kind of a private home. Not really a private home. More like a shitty home. To try to get them introduced into society. I don't want to trash London, but that's kind of par for the course for most houses there. So. Oh, dunking on them. What up? <laughs> <laughs> See, we could dunk on London all we want. Fuck those Brits. 
I think that a lot of people in their heads, when they think of houses in England, they think of just the uh, the mansion from Downton Abbey. Oh, you mean like, like all fucking like cobblestone and like bricks and like that kind of like, ooh, that looks fancy. Kind of like old like Boston. Five stories and like definitely a lot of fireplaces for the help to get to, but... This is more like a, a shitty, shambly, like, condominium. Yeah, this is definitely a lot of, like, really, really, uh, I think the, the architecture is called brutalism. Yeah. In the 1950s, it's just, like, a bunch of squares thrown up, essentially, where they're like, yeah, there's rooms in there. Like, don't even, it doesn't need to look pretty. Don't worry about it. Which is aptly named after an Idols album. Excellent. Um, which is probably what they were going for with that album. I think you probably too. have that, yeah, the other way around. No, 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 no. It, it actually, I think it co-inspires with what they were talking about in that album, too, um, because they're from Britain. So, I don't actually, I, I mean, if, so what ends up happening is, like, some crazy shit, some ghosts and spooky shit happen in that house, but we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Okay. Have you seen this movie before, Vinny? I have. I am a part of a movie club, and someone picked this movie, and I watched it, and I was kind of thinking to myself, Vin, let's kind of pull this thing a little bit in a different direction. We've been always picking movies that I like, and not to say that I don't like this movie, but let's try to put it in a, in a mindset of like, what would Big Brother pick? If he looked at this trailer on Netflix, do you think he'd pick it? And my answer was, yeah. So that was what I was going for. All right, but I should remind you that the aim of this podcast is for you to scare me, not necessarily please me with your choices. True, but I mean, we're like 30-plus episodes in, so I'm trying to shake shake the tree a little bit, you know? All right, well, that's fair enough. Uh, is there anything else you want to get to before we dive into uh, the meat of this movie? No. I mean, like, I, I feel like I've already kind of started breaking into it. But, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, we could have... This is almost, like, old school. Like, you know, remember, like, Wrinkles? When we did Wrinkles episode and we just kind of, like, freeballed it? <laughs> it's like, remember <laughs> that? <laughs> remember that happened? Yeah, that was fucking weird. Do I remember when... <laughs> The intention of this podcast initially was that you and I would switch off taking notes for the movies uh, so that not one person would be burdened with recapping them. And at the beginning of the second episode, you said, I don't have any notes for this. So I did, though. I had notes, but I just don't structure my shit like you do. (laughs) I have ADHD, hardcore, and it's hard for me to, like, keep my concentration long enough to write as detailed as notes as you do. Mine are more just scatterbrained. Yeah, I think if your, how- if, if your brain was a house, there would be a lot of things going on in a lot of different rooms. <laughs> and somehow, like, the door from, like, the kitchen would somehow lead to a bathroom upstairs. You'd be like, I don't know how we got here. And then if you went back through that same door, you'd end up in a dining room somewhere. This is my house. <laughs> There'd be a guy working on a puzzle in there, and you'd be like, who knows what he's up to? It's like, do you know what kind of puzzle he's building, at least? Yeah, he's something about frogs. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, well, 
I think we've gotten distracted enough. Uh, Vinny, let us tarry no further. Let's get into this movie, and uh, we'll be going from my notes because of that <laughs> episode of Wrinkles the Cloud. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we get the Netflix ka-chunk followed by a Regency logo, and Obi-Wan Kenobi saw, I was like, there's a name I haven't heard for a long time. <laughs> And we open on two Africans walking through a desert. Uh, it's a man carrying a child and a doll. And it seems like a bunch of refugees are trying to get on the back of a pickup truck. And the mother tells the daughter, although I don't want to spoil anything here, but the mother tells the daughter, well, this is what we'll stick with for now, that she'll protect her as they close the truck up. I'll have you see- know that the man is wearing a red wool hat, and I'm like, how's he doing that? It's like got to be 100 plus degrees out there. <laughs> It is a desert, though, so we know it's a dry heat, and also... They say that, but it doesn't make sense. I've never witnessed it myself. What the fuck does a dry heat mean? Well, I think you've also noticed a lot of times in uh, desert, for people who are local, they wear a lot of cover. That's because uh, it gives you protection from the sand and the wind and also the sun, so... These are also considerations, not just the heat. Oh. I mean, we live in, like, wet climate heat, so it's like, I've never... I don't know what dry heat really is. All right. <laughs> Good <Jump>. note. <laughs> <laughs> Red car. <laughs> Thanks. Anyways. Appreciate it. We see uh, a group of refugees huddled together on a boat in the darkness. There's some squealing behind them, and then everybody's in the water. And... <laughs> If you're a little bit confused to this part, get ready for that. Because there's a lot of quick cuts in this movie where are like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> and then the man wakes up, and a woman asks the man what he's dreaming about. And he says their wedding day. And she looks skeptical and tells him that explains the screams. <laughs> so she's got a funny side. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it to your imagination what kind of scream she meant by that. And we see that they're in a tiny dorm room with another man, and an official-looking guy opens the door t- to uh, raise them for some type of meeting. The other guy tells them not to get their hopes up, noting that they'll send them back to die. So we assume that this is something to do with them leaving their war-torn country. I assume. Mm-hmm. Now, they don't respond, but head out, and we see two guards tussling with another refugee who's bleeding in his dorm. And they sit down in... Uh, what looks to me like maybe an elementary school gym <laughs> and about 20 feet away from the people who are uh, interviewing them. It must be like, and, I don't. I mean, like, it must be in an abandoned school or something that, like, they just the government's like, yeah, we could just use this for the refugees. Or, like, the kids are outside, like, waiting patiently with their <laughs> kids. Like, do, do you think those kids are just, like, waiting outside? This is, like, election day where it's just, like, okay, we got to place all of these people in homes, and then the kids can come back inside. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I read this situation. Now, the woman who is interviewing them whispers to one of the other people asking about their child, and the man says pretty loudly that they lost her. <laughs> And then they tell the couple that they're being released today. And they respond happily, but the guy cuts in to tell them that they're on bail as asylum seekers, not as citizens. So, this is a bit of a uh, a trial period, so to speak. Now, he goes on to inform them that if they break any of the rules, they'll be sent back to their country. 
The rules are as follows, Vin. They must report. They are not allowed to work. And they have a home that they're being sent to. And they are not allowed to leave from there. So they find these terms acceptable. Would you find them acceptable, Vin? I mean, that's kind of the life that we're living in these days, isn't it? Due to a pandemic. Yeah, except not getting that sweet, sweet cash and then being told not to work. That's true. It's a good point. So, I mean, at-home prison is aptly, like, something we are kind of dealing with these days. But no, I mean, that's it's, it's rough. It's, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be to live a life of being a refugee, you know? <laughs> it does answer the question that happens in all Haunted House movies, which is, why don't they just leave? Which, in this case, is because they can't legally. Right, right. yeah. That, so, definitely, that definitely erases that question from the factor, for sure. Um, so we're going to explain right now. This, this episode might be hard for us to put a lot of chuckles on it because this movie is awfully serious in some cases. Yeah, and it's a serious about a topic where, like, I don't... You know, I don't particularly want to make fun of people who are trying to escape a horrifying situation and make a better life for themselves, but unfortunately I must. <laughs> Here we are. Listen, we got through Cannibal Holocaust. We could get through anything, baby. It's true. Yeah, I guess. Maybe you could laugh at our squeamishness, but uh, <laughs> they get on the bus on a rainy night and the woman asks where they're going and gets no response. She they does, though. The-, the title screen then pops up. We're going to his house. I like to think that the bus driver turns around and points at the guy and goes, his house. The guy's like, me? It's like, no, it's like, ah, you'll see. (laughs) She's pointing at a corner in the bus. It's like, I want to spoil it for you. It's like a whole thing, though. It's the invisible man. (laughs) And he's like, no, no. This guy's more visible than he should be in a lot of cases. <laughs> All right, we see them approach some community housing, uh, and the van stops and lets them out, and then just drives away without saying anything to them, and a guy with a badge is waiting for them, and he asks if they speak English. This is a Doctor Who. Matt Smith. The pur- yeah, okay, who cares? My favorite Doctor. For the purposes of this movie, since he's the only Doctor Who in it, I will just be calling him Doctor Who. Nice. So Vinny, for this one, for the main characters, we got man, we got woman, we got Doctor Who. This is amazing. I was just thinking to myself, ah, this must be like one of those like weird off years where the Doctor was like not traveling interstellar, you know, into different planets and different adventures. It's just like him kind of laying low <laughs> in London. <laughs> I should warn you, my doctor has told me that if I get any more bored than this, I will perish. Well, Vinny looks sad. That's all Doctor Fan Doctor Who fan should in public. Ow. This wasn't public, this is private, you asshole. Well anywho. Uh let's see. Doctor Who mentions that they're getting quite a bit of space. Normally they'd have half the size with twice as many people, but they lucked out. And I wrote, I bet not. <laughs> We will see. This guy, let's see. The Doctor Who knocks the door off when he opens it, and then he goes through a list of rules, which are fairly draconian, and the place is pretty trashed. The rules, the are, opens... the rules are pretty funny, though. 
I mean, like, he was being pretty cheeky with, like, the rules and things that they can't do, where he's just like, no no ball games, no game balls, no balls. And it's like, you prick. I think we could assume he means no fun of any kind. Now, the man signs off on the paperwork, and Dr. Sue, Dr. Who? Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Doctor Who says he has be a whole different movie if this was Doctor Seuss around here. I think it might distract from the larger thing. The fucking cat. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough about like the bodies in our walls. Like, have you noticed that the guy who brought us in here rhymes everything? The cat hat shows up. He goes, Jesus Christ! (laughs) This place is fucking trashed. (laughs) The fish is like, I told you. He's like, whatever, man. My job here is done. Even I have limits. He's like, fuck, you know, fuck these rainy. You guys can stay here. I want nothing to do with this shit. So when the man signs the paperwork, Doctor Who says that he has a confident signature. The guy says he works in a bank. Uh, worked, rather. The woman asks Doctor Who if this is really all theirs. And he says, yes. And he says, I think you'll be all right as long as you fit in. Just already giving them like a sort of weird kind of pressure to be, to uh, conform to the locals. The guy says that they're not going back to the country. Doctor Who tells him to make it easy for people and be, and this is direct quote, one of the good ones. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> now the man looks around and bursts into sort of alternating of crying and laughing when he's alone, which is kind of weird. Well, he's excited, you know? He's got room. And yeah. This is like... As shitty as, like, a place it really is, it's just, you don't know where he came from before this. Like, it just feel he feels safe now. Yeah, and we don't know what he was uh, exposed to before. It could be that, uh, you yeah. know. I mean, we will. Eventually, we're going to get to see what the hell he went through to get here. I'm sure we'll find out through the course of this movie. Now, the woman is upstairs with the doll that was with the girl that they were carrying at the beginning of the movie. And she strokes it lovingly, looking at the beads on it. She breaks them off and puts it in on her neck as a necklace. At night, they sit down on a blanket on the floor and listen to some music on the man's phone. And he says, they'll be new here. And she agrees, saying, born again. So, It was nice of the government to give them a phone with access to Spotify. Now, how, think- lo- how long do you think it's going to take them to find uh, true crime podcasts? I think he probably had that phone. Like, people in Africa have phones. I don't know if he's plugged into the Wi-Fi or if he has a data plan, which has survived many months here, but he also might have some savings of some kind. I don't know what he would have access to because he was a banker. Right, right. But it's possible he had to leave all that behind. I don't know. We never know about his financial situation, and the phone never appears again. So it's left to us to wonder. Yep. All right, later that night, the guy hears what sounds like someone humming in the walls. He goes closer to inspect it. Then he gets jump-scared by the hooligans outside throwing something against the wall. And he kind of really freaks out over this, like, more than you would expect. Well, I mean, like, come on, man. Do you remember your first night at your new place? It's pretty horrifying. I don't know, like, I, I think I've told this story a couple of times you know with like how at unease i was with just laying in my bed and i heard every like tick and bump in my house 
Yeah, and probably more than that, he's dealing with all the stress from uh, everything that happened, so... Right. He's having what looks to be like a panic attack, like covering his ears and hearing a bunch of screaming before eventually calming himself down. Yeah, that I never went through that, so... (laughs) That's some other traumatic experience that this man's going through. I mean, you didn't lay down on a roof while, like, a guy on fire walked down the street. <laughs> you what? fucking bastard. <laughs> we find out later this guy did. So. <laughs> but uh, when he does manage to calm down, that humbins back. So he goes to the wall to listen, and hears something skittering in there. And then he thumps against the wall. Oh, and I'm sorry, I should say, then it thumps against the wall, scaring him back. And he says, hello, feebly. And then there's a portion of the wall at the bottom that has a hole in it. So he leans down there to check it. And whatever's in there is like chittering away. And when he reaches in, suddenly there's a screaming girl behind him. Yeah. But she disappears when he turns around. And then a crow flies out of his wall. And he whispers, strange country. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. You know, just random birds just kind of hanging out in these houses. I mean, that yes. house in particular, though, it's a shithole, so that makes sense. He figures, like, every house in England's just got a fucking crow in the wall, like, waiting. <laughs> They're actually the uh, the prior owners. They still kind of live there. Sure. Just every, just every house in in Britain has, just it comes with a crow. It's your new pet. Crows like to steal stuff, so they probably just swipe the deed right from the guy as he was <laughs> handing it to the next owner. <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh no by parliamentary law the crow owns the house now so when they like try to like run the deed it's like the crow's just sitting there with like the deed next to it and it's just like go on take it I dare you <laughs> so he's cleaning up the next day and the woman finds that he threw the doll out in the trash so she pulls it out and then the woman points out an old lady walking outside she says, it's the queen. And the man laughs and asks where Charles is. They have a good chuckle about it. That is a good chuckle. But she's just like some old lady bum. <laughs> just in case you were like, was it the queen? Was, no, no, no. She's up in the palace. So he takes some trash out and waves to a woman petting a cat in the window. Right she next does to not respond. But just keeps looking all creepy at him. She's like his like apartment next door neighbor, and I was just thinking to myself like, "Fuck!" Like, thank God in my life that I've never like lived that close to somebody that like literally they're they're two feet away from you. <laughs> I sort of have before, and there's pluses and minuses to it if they're okay people. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he heads down the street to get a haircut. He asks the barber if they're in London. The guy's like, sure. <laughs> it's kind of hard to. That's, you know, it's funny because every time that I think of like Britain, I always think, yeah, it's just all London, right? It's not. There's boroughs and different areas all jammed together. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea where they are, but it could be like going to a guy in Yonkers and being like, are we in New York City? And him <laughs> being like, yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> Some guy. Like, it's 30 minutes that way, but sure. You go to fucking like Queens and some guy's like, get the fuck out of my face. And it's like, yeah, gotcha. Noted. Yeah, I did make my wife angry once by referring to Waltham as the greater Boston area. <laughs> but it is about a solid 45 minutes away, so. Right. So where do you think he is, Jake? West Brom? Maybe he's in Tottenham? 
Are those actually locations? I didn't know if they were just like cute names for the team. Maybe he's like near West Ham. West Ham sounds about right. It's a bunch of shithole. So. Sheffield. You know what? Sheffield would make sense. Crows. So, yeah, Sheffield. Or maybe Newcastle. Okay. Well, this portion of naming off uh, Premier League teams is done. So. <laughs> Some guy sees him walking around and asks if he's a refugee and invites him inside. And they got some cookies, or biscuits as they call them. <laughs> I, was, I, I wrote that as a note too. Like, look at them biscuits. And he's going through the box in the pub, and he joins along with the song they're singing. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, a car hey, pulls up. You fucking dick. I'm sorry. You about to Do you know the song? Well, it's just, it's just kind of a fight song, or like at least like a, a, a song about like a soccer player. I know a lot about. Well, I wouldn't say a lot about, but I've, I'm in that environment quite a bit. Well, I, I just wanted to say, like, you know, this is, like, one thing that I kind of miss because of the pandemic is that before everything shut down, I used to go to bars and watch soccer games and sing along. And that's uh, some good environment. So I was, I was kind of happy to see that he joined in with them and they didn't, like, boo him or nothing. Like, they looked over and kind of gave him a cheers. Yeah, sports is kind of the great equalizer culturally. Kind of, especially soccer, too. Soccer is, like, globally, like, everywhere. Like, everybody knows soccer. I agree with that statement and have nothing further to add. So he goes home, and he's, like, telling his wife about his day, and she's not exactly, like, thrilled. She's like, oh, you joined in on them with, like, their songs and whatnot? And I'm like, yeah, it's about the same type of energy that my wife gives me when I come home from the bar from soccer games, too. (laughs) You know, it does point out, though, the difference between them as characters, where he's very interested in immersion with uh, the new culture, Mm -hmm. and she's a bit removed from it. She seems kind of weary of anything British. Yeah, well, she's it's like she's trying to hold on to basically where they came from and not forgetting who she is, where he's just like, fuck this, new house, new me. I'm trying to trying to do something better for myself. Adapt? I'll adapt if I got to. Yeah, I took a cultural communication ca- class a long time ago that had a very fancy table to explain everything they're going through, but I have forgotten all of the details. <laughs> past chicks like no there's so much information right here <laughs> Billy, like, you're supposed to accept new culture and accept old culture but i don't remember what that's called self-actualization quote unquote <laughs> i'd believe it but anyways as billy joel would say in the middle of the night a car pulls up and the headlights wake up the man and he hears some footsteps downstairs so he goes downstairs to check out He finds the lights on, and he tries to turn it off, but the switch doesn't work. In front of him, and this is going to bother you for sure, Ben, the wallpaper starts peeling itself off the wall, (laughs) revealing a gross-looking hole in it, not unlike the hole in the girl on the third floor. My my mind completely changed about this house, Jake. He's got it made. He's got a house that's taking the wallpaper off (laughs) itself. You would be willing to accept that with whatever ghost came with it, wouldn't you? Oh, I'd be like, Jesus, you know what? You could fucking haunt this house forever. You know what? Let's, I'd like, just like have the ghost follow me behind like this, this room too. All right. Take that. And then it would slide off. Like, yes, perfect. You got it. Yeah. 
they have been like, you killed a person. He'd be like, oh, it makes me so sad. Please don't rip the rest of the wallpaper <laughs> off. <laughs> the ghost did. He'd be like, fucking stupid ghost. All night. And then, like, I'd be, like, in my bed. And then I don't hear, shh. And, like, I wake up and I'm like, I don't hear it. And then, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, no. <laughs> But anyways, he checks the goo a little more prudently than CM Punk does in uh, The Girl on the Third Floor. And he looks inside, and then he yanks on a cord in there, and the light turns off abruptly. And then, insanely, he keeps yanking on it, and it turns into a big rope that's covered in seaweed. And he's going furiously, but it's kind of like the scarf trick that a clown does. Like, (laughs) he's just going like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's the infinite seaweed rope. And there's a thing kind of walking menacingly behind him, but we don't get a good look at it. But it looks kind of like a tall zombie thing. Yeah. And then he gets the doll at the end of the rope, but then a hand reaches out and pulls it back in. And all of a sudden, the wall's repaired itself. So, whew, glad that problem's over. And the wallpaper's back. Yeah, I was worried there might be mold, but it's just some type of uh, apparition, so... Nothing to worry about there. Fucking ghost of tricking. That would be like, you know what? If I did all that work and took that wallpaper off and then that ghost put that wallpaper back on. <laughs> you would collapse on the ground. And like, truly, you are from the depths of hell. <laughs> That's it's a real nightmare. <laughs> truly the worst. Now, the wife comes downstairs to find all the wallpapers off the wall in the room and she calls for the man but he doesn't answer so she starts sweeping up the remnants of the floor i should say this is the next day Mm. and then she opens a closet and finds a bunch of kids in a cage (laughs) which is not great so we've we found her her least favorite room in the house damn fucking house where it just flashes back to awful memories yeah, so she's obviously going through her own horrible, horrible uh, hallucination here. But uh, the man's got no time for that because he's shopping at the store. And I imagine for some kind of uh, wall hand remover or whatever <laughs> at the hardware store. <laughs> Try to get that ghost out of there. So he gets himself a hammer. So I guess that works. He'd probably just break the fingers. <laughs> and back at the house, the woman locks up, leaving. And she's got her little hand-drawn map that she got from Doctor Who in the beginning. And she doesn't get far before a young hooligan tries to get her attention. Then she ignores him. Yeah, which I'm like that, too. Someone comes up to me on the street randomly and it's just like, hey, hey. I just keep walking. I'm like, fuck off. I don't know you. Don't come near me. I mean, she is distrustful, but with good reason. So she hears a baby crying as she walks down the street. She's in sort of an abandoned alley. And then a kid pushes an empty stroller past her, which was creepy as fuck. (laughs) And she gets to a dead end where a kid's kicking a soccer ball. And she tries to go back the way she came. And we hear a dog, like, barking menacingly in the background. And when she comes around the corner, she finds the same kid kicking a soccer ball as before, but in a different dead end. And she's just kind of, like, looking around, like, didn't I cut... Didn't I? And I'm like, oh no, she's like in one of those MC Hesher fucking alleys. And it's like, watch out for them fucking steps, lady. I would like to stress 
I don't take any pleasure, but I think you said Hesher, and it's definitely Escher. Oh. Whoops. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to make a big thing of it. We don't have to make a big thing of it, Vin. <laughs> I'm We're learning. Just go this. ahead and toss that one on top of the pile. <laughs> so she gets out of the alleys and walks through a big parking lot where three teenagers are walking around. She keeps saying to watch her at them, which if I hadn't read Harry Potter, I wouldn't know what the fuck she was talking about. But it's essentially the English version of like, hey, oh. just watch her. Yeah, that's right. Tom's always saying, watch her to Harry in the Harry Potter books. Sorry about all that terrible stuff J.K. Rowling's been saying, everyone. <laughs> Anyways, she asks the teenagers where the church street is, and they make fun of her accent, and then they give her three different directions. And as she leaves, they tell her to go back to Africa, and then they keep making fun of her accent again. So, and, Well, let's let's turn this awful scene around on them. Fuck you, you English accent fucks. I couldn't understand half the fucking things you're saying off your sloppy English accents, you fucking kids. Oh, yeah, they had pretty heavy Cockney accents, so it was a lot like, Oh, you're from Africa! You're so <laughs> fucking funny, don't you? <laughs> it's like, well... <laughs> Look who's fucking funny now, you fuck. If I'm grading this as an ugly American, you sound much funnier. <laughs> Agreed. So, let's see. She's at the hospital, and the nurse gets a little too familiar with her, asking her about her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and then when that doesn't go well, the nurse asks her about the tribal marks on her. <laughs> the woman's like, oh, yeah, that's for my family, because where I'm from, everyone puts it on to identify where the family's from. And then if you're from the wrong family, they kill each other. <laughs> so she takes her arm out, and she's like, that's the one I put on me on the day my family was dead when I found them. This is for the other tribe. That way, I can pretend to be either one as needed. I guess you could say I'm a person without a country. Maybe that would wrap in thematically with the rest of this movie. I just couldn't say, nurse. I just kind of felt bad for the nurse because it's like one of those things where it's like I'm trying to make small talk, but then it turns into like, a, like I don't know how to reciprocate this information yeah. you've given me, so... I have a really good story for that, for the worst time that that ever happened to me. I was at a store that I was working at once, and I saw someone's last name on an application for, like, I forget, it was, like, furniture or something. And I was like, oh, do you know this person that I know? And they said, yes. But (laughs) they don't know me because I'm the bastard child of our father, and he doesn't acknowledge me as part of our family. And I was like, there's no reason to have relayed this information to me. This person in a store who was just asking an innocent question and certainly doesn't deserve this life story suddenly foisted on them. But instead, I just said, okay. (laughs) Kind of like what you do to me a lot. (laughs) Then I went, anywho... (laughs) That's good. I'm glad that you had a story. I have one too, but that one's way better. So let's proceed. Yep. I'll never forget that one. (laughs) And she says, oh, my daughter, you asked about died, by the way. So, you know, that nurse is drinking when she gets home tonight. Yeah. Not only that, she's like, I'm sorry to hear about your daughter. I have even worse news for you. Your blood pressure is just through the roof. (laughs) Equally bad. (laughs) 
be like, you might have to go on Lipitor. <laughs> She's like, that's covered under like the national health thing, though, right? Like, yep. You live in a civilized country, as almost all of them are, other than America in this regard. Correct. Anyways. <laughs> Watch out for that diabetes, though. <laughs> sure. Right around that's the up. corner with Lipitor. <laughs> but anyways, the woman gets home and finds a girl pissing outside her window. And the girl's like, oi, I think someone leaves here now. <laughs> <laughs> she totally fucking uh, parasited her. That's true. <laughs> and she goes in the big room where there's a big hole in the wall again, and she sits down in front of it. And then a bunch of peaches spill out of a bag on their own, and one rolls to her. And then someone whispers, come, to the peach, and the peach rolls into the wall. It's a nifty trick. That accidentally reminded me of Call Me By Your Name, now that I think about it. <laughs> That's an apricot, and it's a much different comb than that one. Anyways, there's a bunch of dark whispering coming from the wall, and the man returns at night and finds the woman sitting in the room around some candlelight and uh, food on the floor. And he says it's wonderful she went outside. But he doesn't like that she's trying to eat Africa style, because they're supposed to be in England now, baby. So next time we got to eat at the table... So she starts eating the food with her hands, but he goes to get some forks, and he forces one on her. And she's like, you can only taste the metal. And he's like, you'll get used to it. And then he laughs away as he eats, like, what an adventure, a fork. (laughs) He's like, wonderful, is it? And she's like, yeah, dude, all right, a fork. That's, this is fantastic. Then Then she throws the fork over there and just continues to eat with her hands. She's going to toss into a peach in the wall in a second. <laughs> he tells her that they have a chance here. They can start a family. And she looks at him like, what a yeah. weird thing to say to me. <laughs> yeah, given his record with kids. not. Nah, it's like, maybe you should take your time, dude. <laughs> now, this reminds her of a story her mother used to tell her. And it goes a little something like this. A poor man in their village wanted a home of his own. So he started stealing from others. One day, he stole from an old man who lived by the river. But that guy was a night witch. So, let's call that a big whoopsie. (laughs) When he he went to build his home, the night witch moved in too. Although he didn't notice. And the walls would whisper the spells at night. And the witch wouldn't stop till he consumed the man entirely. And she's like, anyways, the point of this story is, one of those night witches lives in this house, probably from the ocean from which we came. It's in a path. What's that? And in a path. Yes, that was the word that I didn't want to write down in case I got it wrong. Yeah, I I think I've misspelled it too. And in a path, yeah, is like it's a demon, like a night witch. Yeah, she also calls it a night witch, which is what I was stuck with. Right. But anyways, yeah, you really knocked me off there for a second. Uh, Let's see. Then they hear some thumping in the other room, and she says, Hey, it spoke to me. And it said, we don't belong here. And if we pay our debt, we'll get to go. We'll get back our daughter. And he's like, she's dead. This is a bullshit story. And we've grieved enough for her. And she's like, well, I thought I was imagining all this. And it might be the stress for moving in. But I can see from your reaction that this is totally actually what's happening, you asshole. Right. And you're lying about it. Right. She says that you're a liar. And I can see it in your eyes. And I was like, yep. woof. So, everybody's got night witch problems. (laughs) 
Later that night, he's tearing away at the wallpaper when the light in the room behind him goes out. Which I feel familiar. (laughs) I'm like, man, this is so fucking relatable. Seems like everybody writes a horror movie about houses has the same thought, which is like something about the wallpaper is going to be involved. I really need to like call up Remy Weeks and be like, dude, did you have like a a bad experience with wallpaper? Because like you and I, man, compatico, you know, like shit. Let me call you up for the next horror movie you make. You know, I got some ideas. Every time you had a Freddy Krueger dream, it would just be the wallpaper going back up on the wall (laughs) and being like, you'll never get me down. You'd be like, shouldn't you like be killing me now? And he'd be like, I'm killing your spirit. (laughs) Then the donkey shows up and it's like, whoa, wrong dream. That's a callback that's not necessarily going to work, but... (laughs) Anyways, he hears some creaking and calls out to no answer. And then something's walking around in the next room all stooped. It turns to look at him. Yep. And then there's a bump yep. next to him. And at <laughs> that point, I'm like, why are you standing there? He's being awfully cavalier about this, like, weird shape. This figure just kind of stooping through. And I'm like, I'd run. Jump out to the window. Fair, <laughs> both of them are taking the haunting more in stride than I would. Not one of them's like, oh my god, why is this happening? They're just like, hmm, so this is what's happening, huh? <laughs> I kind of like that, though. You know, where it's like, it's it doesn't feel stupid. You know, like, you're just like, oh my god, what's happening? They're just like, he's just dealing with it. And it's almost like he's trying to not accept that it's happening. But when it's clearly happening to him, he's more frustrated with it than like terrified. Well, I mean, he's terrified in some, it'll happen. You'll see. You'll see. Yeah. He does seem like it has some sort of weird effect over him too, where he gets obsessed with the, uh, kind of like going through the walls for it, but we'll Mm. get more into that. So there's a bump next to him and it disappears. The thing that in the other room, then something skitters out saying, Mama. And it's a child crouched by the wall, and it's stabbing into the floor. And he goes to inspect it, but it stabs at him. <laughs> and he retreats into the corner, and it disappears. And he runs out of the house. And the lady with the cat watches him and gives him a wan smile like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> yeah. I could tell these assholes like got dropped off. Fucking Night Witch people, for sure. <laughs> How do we know so, that she's not the Night Witch, you know? <laughs> I honestly thought she was part of it for a while, and it turns out she's just a weird old lady. Maybe she knows, though, because... I th- thought there was going to come a point where they would be like, oh, you know the old lady with, like, the cats to, like, the teenagers? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? There ain't no old lady up there, you bunch of tosses. <laughs> yeah, fucking plebes. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And then like one girl, one would be like, cheeky, I I'm going to go back to eating me crisps. <laughs> Which are chips. <laughs> no, <laughs> chips are what you would call French fries. <laughs> we should go through the whole thing, Lou. <laughs> it's set rough. We'll talk more about this little lady with the cat later. We have, she, she actually has words later. Yeah. Well, he heads back in the room into the house, and the woman is waiting on the stairs and asks if he saw it. I should say the woman is his wife. And he goes in the closet and grabs his daughter's doll, and he decides that they're going to have a bonfire because he wants to destroy everything from the old country. 
So he gathers it all up and he burns it outside because he says it's all been cursed. The woman tries to stop him, but he grabs her. He notices the necklace on her neck and she begs him to let her keep it. But he's in one of those kinds of moods, so he rips it off her neck and tosses it in the fire. I mean, if it's, next... if it's cursed, it's got to go, right? I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't know why he's necessarily assuming that he's got a handle on what needs to happen right from the start, but he's got a theory and he's willing to pursue it. <laughs> and, you know, I guess to make it pure science, yeah, you got to burn all of it. It's and just... then if the Night Witch is still there, you mark it down as incorrect theory. <laughs> so now we get holy water. That's the next thing. And if holy water doesn't work, um, what's bringing in a bunch of animals like a dog or something oh he's got another theory it's got, i'm gonna bust these fucking walls open but anyways we're not there yet so the next day he's at the mall and a security guard sort of quietly starts following him around as he goes to get new clothes he's like blimey here's some fucking action i've been looking for all day yeah, I thought this was going to be a bigger thing, too, but it's just a sad little side thing. Yeah, it's kind of so, like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> can't find the price tag, but surmises that the clothes match the pictures on the wall that have prices. Price. <laughs> yeah. Which is something that, like, yeah, it'll fool a refugee, but also would confuse the fuck out of me if that's what was happening. Be freak, it'd freak me out, though, because it'd be like, this but, gentleman's <laughs> this gentleman's clothes that he's wearing on this picture says the price right here. I don't... It's just... I don't know. It's weird. It's an inefficient system. We can agree on that. I mean, that's what they make catalogs for, isn't it? That's their I catalog. I suppose so. But it works out for him because we cut to his wife wearing her new British clothes as he fucks around with the wall. And he cuts his hand on something stray in there. He checks all the lights and they work. Yeah. But, yeah, he's doing like some fucking shoddy electrician work, which I'm like, man, he's way handier with this house than I am with my own. <laughs> yeah, and he's just a banker. What's it with these bankers knowing how to fix houses? He's the second banker, man. <laughs> except, I don't know. except I don't think he hasn't painted the wall like the other banker, so. He does okay with it later. I mean, we'll get to it, but. He comes in on his wife whispering to an empty chair in the kitchen, and he angrily sits them down for a British dinner with silverware. <laughs> and she says, so I guess you think we're going crazy. And he's like, you just got too much free time. We'll get you something to do in the community. And she asks if he doesn't wonder what it tells me. And then she chides him for thinking that she's afraid of ghosts in this house after they survived a fucking genocide, which, you know, seems fair. <laughs> and the ghosts seem to tell her to be afraid of him so we're going pretty much full on amityville here at this point yes this fucking shadowy figure is definitely gaslighting the husband <laughs> he's yeah. a fucking prick you want nothing to do with him and she's like uh-huh uh-huh there's always somebody that elbows in there and then starts talking that gay and then like, suddenly which doctor's wearing his clothes living in his house He's dropping by to drop off the check. Well, witch doctor's like, she's at the store, but like, you can leave it with me. <laughs> he's like, is that cool if I come in for a glass of water? And he'll be like, I, I think it would make her uncomfortable if we did that. So, so listen, it's it's over, man. And you know what? She's going to want that house key back, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like, today, shit, do, am I going to have to go live at that bar? I mean, I guess those nice guys that I sang songs with will be cool with it. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of arms would come out of the floor and just push him out. And the witch guy would be like, I told you to go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he says this is our home in response. And then he cuts away at his food <laughs> angrily at the table. The camera pulls back to show him at sort of a cutout of the kitchen. But now the kitchen's floating on the ocean as he keeps cutting angrily. Yes, and then that song. <laughs> One is the loneliest number. <laughs> Except it's all echoey. <laughs> I guess. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Well, it's just him, you know? He's just floating there on fucking looks like shallow water. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also, it's very foggy, and there's a sort of, like, weird orange unnatural light going on. It's cool. It's a cool-looking zine. And he drinks his water and hears some whispering and notices he's not quite where he was a moment ago. (laughs) And then a bunch of figures are approaching from the distance. He sees a dead body in the water, which scares him into falling back. Then a bunch of figures approach him, and he wakes up next to the wall. But... The nightmare's not over because a dead figure comes at him at him from out of the corner. And when he turns the lights on, it scurries away. This then, this fucking scene terrified me. Interesting. And then, but even though the uh, thing has disappeared now, we see some wet footprints start forming invisibly across the floor. And he turns the lights back on, and the figure's right next to him. So... He turns it back off and hears some scary whispering that builds into a crescendo. You got, until it, he hears... you, got, you got it backwards. Whenever he turns the lights off, he can see the figures, and when he turns the lights on, they disappear. No, but he can still hear them. I'm saying when the lights are off, he hears them whispering. And then uh, it uh, builds into a crescendo until he hears the child's voice calling for the mama again. And the lights kind of switch off and on a few times. Just some, like, big scary dudes coming at him. And then he sees his daughter with the light on in a scary mask, and she stays. And she turns the lights off again. <laughs> and he's, she's and like, he's, no! <laughs> yep, <yeah>, like, whoops. <laughs> and, uh, let's see. He's surrounded by all the figures grabbing at him. And then his daughter holds a knife to his throat, and he reaches for the light managing to turn it back on, seemingly just in time. And he does, and they disappear but he's gasping, still holding his throat, like, ah, 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 because that was a bit of a close call. Right. And his daughter watches from the hole in the wall and then sort of scurries back and forth, and he chases her around the room. And he takes Which out like, a hammer. Man, you just got out ahead on this one. You might want to quit. Right. So the man starts shouting that this is his house, and he starts hammering a bunch of holes in the walls. Yeah. And at this point... That this movie reminded me of the Tana French book, Broken Harbor, which is the fourth book in her Dublin murder series, which is about a guy who gets laid off from his fancy job and then becomes convinced that, like, a badger or something lives in his walls. So he just keeps making larger and larger holes in them until eventually his wife kills him and their children to escape the horrifying life they have now. Was the badger in the walls? We never find out if there was an animal on the walls or not. It's deliberately ambiguous. I I look at this scene and I'm like, that's gonna probably gonna be me someday. 
taking a hammer to my walls to try to get at the chipmunks that are living inside. If you think about it, because this comes up in The Girl on the Third Floor too, like walls with something skittering behind it is a very powerful metaphor for the kind of shit that stays in your mind that you don't know is there. Because like you're like, oh no, it's like a wall. You're like, that's just me living my normal life. Like everything's nice, it's finely constructed, but like there's some dark shit behind there. And all of a sudden, like it could start scratching at it, and you're like, oh no, I gotta tear at it and start busting <laughs> holes in this shit. Yeah, then that's you know a good metaphor for your fractured psyche. Actually, it makes hey, sense. Yeah, I can get deep with this shit sometimes. And my cat's trying to drink my water right now, so that's making me nervous. But anyways. <laughs> let's see. The next day, he wakes up on the bus, and he's on his way to see Doctor Who. He asks Doctor Who to move somewhere else. Doctor Who's like, okay, uh, what's the problem, man? The guy's like, there's vermin and insects, and uh, they're they're just they're, they're ruining the house, so we gotta get out of here. The other guy in the office is like, fuck, dude, your house is bigger than mine. Doctor Who's like, this isn't going to look good. They'll want to know why you're not adapting. So, this is from, like, paternalistic white man bullshit. (laughs) And Doctor Who says, I used to work in a bank, too, before the jobs got outsourced. And I'm like, your bank jobs got outsourced? That's the only shit we keep in America. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, so we all end up in unexpected places, like me, in this room right now, explaining to this crazy guy why he can't move. Doctor Who's like, you look crazy and ungrateful. (laughs) (laughs) The man's like, hmm, how to avoid saying the house is haunted. Uh, Then he settles on, oh, I got a plan. I'm going to laugh crazily. (laughs) And he's like, do you want me to try to move you somewhere? He's like, yes, please. Then we hear a glass crack, and he had a glass of orange juice they gave him, but he was holding it so hard that he stabs it. So, not a great impression he's making it here. And then he looks around like, hmm, awkward. Then he gets up to leave. The wife sits at home on a sofa, surrounded by the holes in her walls, and her daughter ghost drops the necklace out of the wall for her. So, I'm sure there's no strings attached with this gift. (laughs) And the man gets home later, and the cat woman asks him why he doesn't just leave. He says, This is my house. Yeah, we live here now. And she says, You got a week here, tops. Yeah. And Doctor Who pulls up in a van, and then they find the house in quite a state. <laughs> He's like, Wow, you were uh, serious about them vermin. <laughs> he says, I'm going to have to report this. But the man's like, No, no, I can fix it. So... Doctor Who's okay with that, but then the woman's like, so, have you told him about the witch? And he kind of gives her a look like, oh, I'm so fucked. <laughs> like, uh, it's like really just holding on by a thread here. <laughs> She's like, let me break down the situation on the whole haunted thing. Yeah, She's let me... Like, My- She's like, listen, let me break it down. Don't worry. We're all gonna laugh about this later. It's totally sane. She's like, I- I'm not gonna mince words, but... <laughs> My husband's stubborn, so he thinks he can deny it. There's a witch haunting this house, and it's because we don't belong here. And the guys, like Doctor Who and the other guy, are like, what? (laughs) 
And then outside, they say, we got to write this up. And one of the guys is like, I think she was wearing a bed sheet. <laughs> Which was so, like, what the fuck? Come on. So she tells the man that this is a whole bit that the white man likes to make us feel crazy so they can hide how weak they are. And she's like, but you still idolize them. She's just fucking sick of his shit. Yeah, she's like, they throw us fucking scraps, and you're like, you know, totally. Scraps is the uh, phrase she used, I think. Yeah. This is a powerful... That is actually, like, some good, like, monologuing off of her. Yeah. And then she's like, listen, it's time to go back to our country, and I'm going with or without you. He's like, you forget what we went through to get here. And she's like, what? I... You're the one who forgot our daughter, or whatever. And he grabs her mouth, cutting her off. And he tells her she's sick. And they're not going anywhere. So, that's not encouraging. No. Also, what's not encouraging is what comes next. Yeah, because he's got another handy project here, which is before he's fixing the walls, he's going to lock them in, <laughs> and then he's going to take the handles off so they can't leave. He starts hammering all the handles off, like, the windows and whatnot. And I'm like, does that really work? <laughs> I Probably just, not. But... No, I see it's just almost like you break the locks and it's like, oh, now it's free-flowing. <laughs> and this is more of a two-part plan because the second part is this. He lights a candle, he puts it in the room, and he's like, hey, witch, it's time to have a parlay. Let's talk. <laughs> so he closes his eyes and everything goes silent. And when he opens them, there's a fire across the room. And someone whispers, thief, to him. It whispers, your life is not yours. You stole it. And the witch offers him a trade. Your life for the daughter's. And then he holds out a knife. The man's like, why don't you do it if you want to cut my wrist so bad? <laughs> and then the hands immediately snatch the knife back. So and then he's like, wait, hold on a second. Let me check out this fire situation. So he holds his hands out. He's like, no, wait. Wait, this shit doesn't burn. <laughs> And he's like, oh, oh, I get it. He's like, you can't hurt me. Fuck off. Yeah, he's like doubling down on it. He's just like basically taunting the thing. He's like, you can make yourself at home, bitch. Yeah, he's like, oh, pictures aren't going to hurt me. He's all fucking like excited. Like, I did it. I beat this stupid witch. Like fucking fucking witch ass motherfucker. And then the witch is like, "Why don't you sleep?" <laughs> and the witch has got his own trick, which is the man's back in the night where his daughter died, right in he the tries- ocean. <laughs> yep, he tries to cover his eyes, but then another pair of arms comes up out of him and pins his arms down, and then another <laughs> pair of arms comes up out of him and holds his head steady, so he has to look at the daughter. And the daughter comes out of the water looking at him. She opens her mouth, and an octopus crawls out. <laughs> and the next day, he's catatonic, staring ahead. His wife checks on him and notices that he pissed himself. <laughs> so-, so, yeah, he's like, you can't hurt me physically, but mentally, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe he's giving himself a little too much credit for how much he can withstand this. <laughs> so... She's using a screwdriver to go at the door and get out, but he snaps out of it and grabs at her, and she stabs him in the leg with the screwdriver, which is fucking nuts. Yeah, that shit's dull. <laughs> then she jimmies a rod to uh, lock him in the bathroom. She opens a window and heads out into the courtyard. Except the courtyard's a little bit different than it was before, because it's back in Africa now, 
and everything looks light and nice. And she heads into what looks like a school where a bunch of women greet her and sing. They all go quiet, and an old lady looks at the woman expectantly. The woman's like, oh, <laughs> I know what's going on here. I saw fucking 1408. <laughs> She's like, I know exactly. You fucking, you prick. So the lowdown is, yeah, the witch is trying to trick her by like taking her into a happy ending, but it's not happening. And the lady looks around nervously like, what other John Cusack movies does she know about? <laughs> Are you but familiar with Better Off Dead? <laughs> the woman shakes her head ruefully and goes, two dollars. <laughs> but anyways, we cut to her hiding in a cabinet as the man looks for her, and all them ladies are gone now. He comes in the room and hugs her, and he tells her that they have to leave now, and she's the one who looks catatonic, because this is the day that they left the country. Wait, oh, you, you fucking, oh, you, you skipped over it. So- no, I didn't. Yeah, no, you so so before this scene happens, um, the, she's like going like, "Where's my daughter?" And then they go, "Who?" And then she asks it again. It says, "Where's my daughter?" And they say again, "Who?" And then they go into the flashback. No, the flashbacks uh, split into like three different parts, and you're talking about before the second part. So, anyways, let's see here. He tells her they have to leave now, and she looks catatonic, and then everyone in the schoolroom is dead. Because that bitch don't fuck around. <laughs> and they hide on a roof while a guy walks down the street on fire. I told you <laughs> it was going to happen. Yeah. It sure was fucked in. That guy saw that one music video and was just like, that looks cool. <laughs> I don't know that that's what happened there, but that's Vinny's story <laughs> at Vinny alone. Vinny, where can they reach your Twitter? <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, he's going silent on this one all of a sudden. So they trudge through the night with gunfire and explosions echoing everywhere. And then it's daytime. They try to get on a truck. A girl calls her mother. And suddenly a truck of people firing guns approach. And this is intercut then with like the part where they ask, they're like, who's your daughter? What are you talking about? So he grabs the girl. The man does. And says, please, let us on. Pretending like that's his daughter. Right. He's totally Billy Zaning this shit up. That's right. He's totally Billy Zane from Titanic on this shit. <laughs> now, they, they get on, on the truck. But when they get on the truck, the mother of the girl, the actual mother, shouts outside for her. And he, <laughs> the girl shouts for her mother, too. And he grabs her mouth and is like, shut it. You'll blow up my spot. <laughs> Say, so, uh, shh, 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 shh. <laughs> My daughter always screams for her mother when her mother sits next to her on the bus. It's like, look, please her, drive. It's like her mother's right over there. It's okay. She's like, ah, oh, she's just freaking out, you know? It's a shut up, kid. Shut your mouth. And we cut to the uh, woman telling the girl that she'd protect her. Obviously, a much different context now that we know it's not her daughter and also. That girl doc. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Good protection. That's what we call the business a double whammy. <laughs> now we cut to them all struggling in the water and the rescue boat pulls up while the girl struggles and she drowns as they escape. And the woman cries. Now the witch voice is like, I can bring her back, but here's what I need from you. It's the old lady holds out a knife to her and he's like, just kill the man. And I'll give you what you want. And the ladies all look at her in the room like, eh? <laughs> Sounds Pretty good, right? Deal. Yeah. 
So we'll find out her answer because we cut to her and she's passed out on the ground in the rain. The Marin carries her upstairs to the bathroom. He walks away looking very disappointed in her. And she spies the knife on the counter. Then she hears the walls whisper, Mama, as he sits down next to her. And she gets up to run some water. But when she turns around, the man has already slit his wrists. Yeah. Before she can consider whether or not that counts, he says, This is what it wants. It will come for me now. He says, Let me save her. And he's like, I should have tried harder. And I'm like, Ah, it's not great what you did, but also nobody could really blame you considering the situation. Well, I mean, because when the boat went down, he was pulling his wife when they were, they let the little girl drown. So that's what was happening. So it's like, instead, it was really just a, do I go for the kid or the wife? It was also like all situations where it'd be like, okay, either... We all die, or one key person dies. <laughs> and each time he was like, it's a key person, it's never me. <laughs> but, um, I mean, you know, it's not on him, ultimately. Like, it's not his fault he comes from a wards country. Right. Where, like, yeah, obviously people would do shitty things to escape because everybody has that survival instinct kick in, but... He's willing to take it out himself. He's taking the responsibility. So he's like, the witch is coming. You should go. The house starts vibrating. Then a hole bursts in the floor. A figure reaches up and grabs him. So it's your basic ghoul. And it lowers itself on him and tells him that you are mine. <laughs> then he grabs the bloody wrist and digs into it as the band screams. Hey, he's the like woman... fucking shoving his fingers through like Yeah, he's kind of like pulling it apart. Yeah, he's, like, basically about to wear, like, his skin. Yeah, to me, it looks like he's trying to bust him open like a fucking pistachio. (laughs) Ew. Yeah, well. So, the woman watches from the other room, and the girl comes out and grabs her hand. And she's back at the school again, which I was like, uh, what's happening now? And she's like, hey, school ladies, I have to say goodbye now. I'm going home. So we're like, right. Africa, but no, she's made up her mind differently. <laughs> so the girl lets go of her hand as the ghoul crawls inside of the man, and she grabs the knife and cuts the ghoul's throat. So, the next day, the British people are here to check on the house. They're taking some pictures of the damage, which is mostly fixed up now. Doctor Who's like, hey, you seem better. And he's like, is there still a witch? And the man's like, nah, my wife killed it. <laughs> And he looks Doctor at them like, like, you're fucking mad. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. And he's like, but I'm British, so who am I to say? <laughs> the man gives the film's thesis by saying ghosts follow you, they live near you, and you have to let them in to face yourself. So all the British people leave, and the girl watches them, and then all of a sudden they're surrounded by all the dead people. All the refugees that died on the way there, which, my God, is that a potent image right. in this movie. Yep. And then they all grab hands together in their home, and it's over, baby! So, Vinny, that is his house. Now, you selected the movie, so it falls on you to ask me the eternal question. Please proceed. Jake, did I scare you? No. I did not find this that scary. I feel like a lot of the scares were... It's with, 
it's very similar to a lot of haunted house movies that have come out in the last 20 years or so. Sure. Yeah. I can see that. I, there are some things that the movie did that were felt a little different. The, the light switch thing. I'm sure that's, that's kind of an old trick, but I don't know this, this movie did it pretty well. That, that, yeah, and it's also reminiscent of that movie Lights Out that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't know though. They they did that scene pretty well. That that scene freaked me out a little bit. Did it scare you, Vin? That scene particularly, yeah, because so, uh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit. The movie freaked me out in certain cases. The movie broke my heart more than anything in a sense that the movie is sad. <laughs> Yes, independent of whether or not it scared me, which, like, it didn't mostly. I, I felt like the scary stuff was, it was pretty pat. But I thought the story with them and what was going on with what the thing is that was haunting them, because haunted house stories are always about, like, guilt and, like, stuff like that. Something vengeful. Yeah, but usually it's about, like, the things within yourself that, like, t- end up tearing families apart or whatever. And in this case... They had some pretty serious issues to get through. But I thought it was nice that they came together in the end. Although you still have to be like, I mean, you know, he inadvertently led to that mother's death and then her daughter's immediately after. Right. Right. But I I don't exactly hold him responsible. Well, all right. So then I'll ask you the follow up then. Did you at least like the movie? I did like it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. So I'm excited for this director's future for whatever else he's got going on. I thought it was a really good movie. I mean, so much so that I watched it twice, so, you know. Yeah, I thought it was an apt metaphor, too, for refugees coming into new countries where it's like you're trying to adapt, but also you have the things that you're escaping from that stay with you. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just an unmistakable, like, something, some dread that's constantly following you throughout your life. Yeah, it's just like an ever-present thing. Yeah. So, I thought that 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 did work well translated to a haunted house movie. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I thought so, too. It's a basic trope, but I think think the, the director did a pretty good job at constructing the movie in kind of a unique way. And it's, like, interesting, like, the scene where she gets lost in the alleys is, like, is not a supernatural thing, but I think is uh, a, I think it's an artful way to depict what it feels like to be in a new situation where, like, things don't feel quite right to you because you're not used to them yet. Right. And not only that, I mean, in that scene, too, because she's, she's African, when she goes up to those boys, they are also of, like, African, like, british descent like they they are black skinned so yes true she felt she she felt familiar she expects them to treat her differently but they're they're yeah they're racist yeah even more disrespectful than honestly most of the other white british people she comes across in the movie right like matt (laughs) like so doctor who you know like as as kind of snobby in some cases he was, at least he was kind of trying to meet them halfway in certain cases. I mean, he says some cringy things, but like, yeah, he just seems like he's just a bureaucrat. He, he has no ill intent. 
Right, 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 right. Although bureaucracies are often set up in ways that harm marginalized people more. And that is my serious political second. <laughs> All right, so maybe we should move into our, our, uh, our other segments then. Fiddy, if you could be anyone in this movie, who would you be? Woof, that's a that's a tough choice. I don't know, you go first. I guess I would be Matt Smith. I should say I would be Doctor Who. Because we all end up in situations that we don't quite expect. That may be uh, not as fancy as we imagined, just like he said. Yeah. But yeah. not him when he's saying the racist stuff. Yeah. You know, I guess I could see myself as the husband. I mean, so much so not not so much like I am a person who constantly tries to get ahead of the dread that is behind me and just is like this is normal. Everything is okay, Vin. Don't don't even worry about like all that awful things that are slowly creeping up in your life. You're just living life as the dog at the table with the fire around. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, speaking of memes, Vid, uh, what would be your gifable moment from this movie? This is a tougher one than normal, I feel like. I actually had a pretty good one. It's him running out of the house, terrified, and then he looks up and smiles at his neighbor. <laughs> All right. Any situations in particular you'd use that for? Where it's just like, you know, like, hey, like, I hope you're doing okay. And then, like, you have, like, that panic, like, oh, shit, and then just smile like everything's okay. <laughs> Yeah. I think I would have the guy dig it into his wrist and then I'd just be like carpal tunnels acted up. Him hammering the walls would be good too while he's yelling, This is my house <laughs> Where someone's like, Hey man, like Or you know what? Maybe him like <laughs> sawed away at his food as he floats in the ocean, just like dinner alone tonight. <laughs> What's for dinner? And like you show that and it's like hot dog. <laughs> all right do you have anything else you want to add before uh we get to uh our wrapping it up bit no i i think that that's good i definitely think this movie is um is worth the watch so yeah i, I hope that people actually you know give it a chance yeah, what I'm panicking about is that i realized that i had not picked a movie for the next episode yet so I'm going to spend the next two to three minutes in my head trying to come up with something. Vinny, in the meantime, and to buy me a little time, would you like to tell us if we have any mail for this week? And dear God, I hope we do. Well, no, but I'm going to do you. Oh, doctor. <laughs> I'm going to do you a solid. So if anybody wants to reach out and email us, they could do so at our, uh, our email. It's D I S Y pod at gmail.com that's d-i-s-y-p-o-d at gmail.com i could have said that a little slower do you want me to tell them where our our handles are too you might as well instagram and uh twitter so instagram is did i scare you pod that's one word and twitter is d-i-s-y pod kind of like our email jake runs usually the twitter he's pretty witty with certain things and then on the Instagram, I do title cards. All right. So please uh, reach out to us if you can. And Vinny, it falls on me to select the movie for next week's episode. And I am selecting 
the 1970s classic, available on HBO Max. And this is going to be a tough one, but here we go. We will be watching the David Lynch movie Eraserhead. Oh, the viewer, <laughs> the listeners can't see at home, but Vinny is grabbing his face. He is upset with this pick. This is not what he wanted to hear. Any thoughts, Vid? Please. Man. Microphone. <laughs> you know, I gifted you a, a decent movie, something new, something actually pretty enjoyable. And now you're going to fuck all of us up. Fiddy, have you seen Eraserhead before? I have not fully watched Eraserhead, and I've avoided this movie for many reasons. Well, all right. For the folks at home, why don't you uh, wait to see if anybody's singing in your radiator, and we're going to dive into Eraserhead. Nope. Oh, no. (laughs) So please uh, watch along and then check back in with us. I'd like to give a thank you, as always, to Rebel Escape Pod for letting us use their song Monster as the intro and outro to our podcast. Check them out on Spotify, please. And I think that's going to do it for us this week. Vinny, you and everyone at home should know this because it's the next thing I'm going to say. You have been listening to Did I Scare You? And I have been your host, Jake Albrecht. That was co-host and little brother, Vin. And if this was messier than normal, I'm so sorry. And hey, thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> How you doing, lady? Thanks. Thanks for the ride. Thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride. Thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride. Thanks for the ride, lady. Yeah.